Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. to Three Amigos Ink and Splatter Virtual Open Mic Poetry Night. We are your hosts, Marie Moldovan. Alicia Hodge. Joe. And Joe Mycott. We thank everyone for tuning in and hope you enjoy the night of festivities. We have poets joining us tonight from all over the globe and are looking forward to hearing their, we are looking forward to hearing their masterful collections. Our very first guest reader of the evening is Aaron Bradley. Aaron Bradley, also known as a flash being, was born in Alberta, Canada in 1985, May 1st. Aaron was raised into an oil-driven, fast way of living, taught to work hard, marry, have children, and pass over. He lost much of his family to cancer, witnessed many of his friends pass from drinking and driving, drug overdoses, suicide, seeking a safe haven on a skateboard to avoid the anger and drink-fueled violence in his household he met other rebels, as so the world views them. He claims listening to all genres of music from country to death metal, this would be his savior, and he claims to be a savior in soul calling. His mother unfortunately passed away in 2011. He worked in the oil patch as a pipe fitter, making a lot of money, spending on booze and supporting cocaine, meth, and amphetamine addiction, leading into a fentanyl addiction almost dying many times, um, many volatile relationships he claims to have had, uh, reflections of self and his parents marrying, never loving himself properly. Um, his passion is hip hop. He calls it his best friend. And he said that his mother is a poet. He followed her lines somewhat and in some way, and he basically rewrites styles such as Tupac and Dear Mama for his dear mom. He rewrote um, a Tupac song, Dear Mama for his mom. Aaron is 26 and currently on a journey of self-healing. 
Welcome, Aaron. How are you doing this evening? Hi. Uh, I'm 36, but 26 is cool. I'll take it. <laughs> well, that's what you wrote in the, sorry. You're 36. You My look bad. way younger than that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm doing great. Um, just working on an album at the moment. I don't know if I can if I can dish out my links here, but if you guys have Spotify, type in Flash Being. There's 11 singles up there. Uh, in fact, I'm on all platforms. Maybe a little egoic there, but I brought some old stuff out to speak at you, which should take up my 15 minutes, so I'm not going to yabber on any longer. Um, this first piece is something I wrote a very long time ago. Um, it's It's shredded, actually. This is one of my oldest poetry books, but... It's kind of dark. Uh, we all have a little bit of the dark and a little bit of the light inside. It's for us to find that balance between the right and left brain hemispheres. About four months ago, I self-taught myself to write with my left hand and I'm now ambidextrous and that is my dominant hand now. Um, this one I called, it's not really named. It's, uh, I'm not too sure how my Wi-Fi connection is. I'm hoping everything's kind of working out there, but. I'm just going to let you guys have it if you can still hear me. Yeah, everything sounds good to me. Okay, cool. Um, so this one goes, it's only like a two-liner, maybe, maybe 16 bars here. Consumerism, capitalism. We're all sick and depressed. Lost touch with reality and we're gripping for whatever's next. So let's take a test. We'll just stand here and relax. And we're going to give you what's best, they tell us. It's a scam, folks. Don't listen. While you're not looking, there's innocent victims being tossed inside prisons. I'm going to keep spitting about flaws in the system until you all know what I know. They're sick and they're twisted, yet claiming the victims, belligerent tycoons, they should be prison. As, as my knowledge grows bigger and my vocabulary expands, I'll build an army of hippies and we'll all meet on the sand. Um, this next piece I wrote is a little bit newer, I guess. It's called Tranquil and it's a little lighter. That's kind of what I like to do. One here, one there. Tranquil. Witnessing serenity. Like a tranquilizer dart, uncovering the meaning of tranquility was part of my start to the place I've been searching. No more hating myself, thinking thoughts of uncertainty or certainly they're against and must be out to hurt me. I'm glad that it is all over. And I'm back to myself to when I was little and I was top shelf. No more nonsense or drama and face to face with my karma. I fought off names like the dark night prepared for dilemma. Slight obstacles readying me since I heard the word dharma. Since lashing out at big pharma, I've came a long way from wanting to cut arms off. I've seen the outside of sanity, conquered my fear of some tragedy beyond that, meeting people teaching me there's much hope for humanity. To the kind hearts along this journey with the utmost support, you've helped open my eyes, assisted in restoring my heart, bringing art back in focus. And no, this isn't lost, nor is it hopeless. So I'll push, then I'll keep pushing, shove my faults in a booklet, look at them later to remember my footsteps. Realize some choices were crooked, 
would not change one thing from the lust to addiction, strengthening me backing away from the system, not for retaliation, but for something different. Let's use love over hate, build houses instead of prisons, breaking certain traditions, making our mission. It's all about gratitude. It's time to start giving back to each other, ourselves and our mother Gaia. For we all deserve a pedestal, not just one or two high ups. Um, this one I wrote last August, the 8th. It's called The Lion, and I really enjoy this piece. There's some really new stuff I'm working on, but I can't really elaborate as it's going to go into an album. I guess I do have some spoken word stuff, but... Almost a perfect piece to read, considering the Lion's Gate is now open. Uh, yeah, so I wrote this last August 8, 8, 2020. Lion's Gate, exactly. The power of a creative mind that fought through times of confinement, defined space and time with his and her rhymes. Sending warm and cold shivers up and down my spine, my kundalini rising up from the roots, proving anything is doable. Next, I'll possibly learn how to play the flute, maintain my health, I'll continue eating fruit, and I'll not beat myself down anymore for my faults or my slips. I love the eye that I've become, yet there's much more to this trip. Gifts, rifts, flips, embrace home, serious star cluster, fall down, shake it off like a Clint Eastwood duster stuck in a Western movie. I've grown, yet continue to learn. Multiple ego deaths, I continue to burn back to my chakras, lay lines through the body, activate through deep chants, plus some mantras, and I've let go of these monsters, cut cords with negativity, stood up, took my power back, but no more would you look at me. As if Gaia threw her book at me, no longer a slave to the grind, one time had its hooks in me, seven in the morning. The eighth day of the eighth month as I create through my poetry, embracing my inner monk, no longer the drunk or the user that I used to be. I'm cutting ties with all those who've used that I've continued to let abuse me, I forgive you. I know through my growth, also by example, you'll say, damn, he's still out there eating apples, writing samples, turning dreams into plans by taking action, no more anger or hate, or need to start a faction. I've found satisfaction in meditation, plus surfing. Owned up to my faults, no longer hurting for hurt people, hurt people. This is the true evil. Put time and action in ourselves. Create a better sequel. We're all one. We're all strong. We're perfectly equal. All students, alchemists, gods. And we're definitely not feeble. As I finish this chapter, taking in various factors, accepting the key to unlock some answers, I realize it's always been within. Again, I refuse to slide backwards. Conscious poetry. Well, I love and embrace my roots, my Canadian status, but warm. Year round I crave, so off on hiatus. The big island Hawaii calls me. At least while here on beautiful earth since 1985, May 1st, the day of my birth, but until then paradise named Tofino, I'll continue to surf. Live in the now, express my worth without the need for competition, as I know we're all standing first. What, That's some what, pretty uh, amazing how much time inks. Have I been there spent. <laughs> Pardon me. 
Uh, how much time am I at there? I think I oh, you're, these you, other things. you're good. You're good. You're good. That's some okay, pretty so amazing one, ink. It's very powerful. Thank you. This one's called Demigods. <clears throat> Who are we? Empaths? Demigods? Master number 11s. Always knowing we're residing in heavens with our minds and our hearts ascending through Akashic space while truly defying time with slips, trips, sliding backward, only to come back stronger, multiplying, meeting in pastures, crop circles, ignoring space and time. They tried to stop us with social networks such as Facebook. We flipped that around on them, turned it into our playground guiding many others on the path, joining forces with our modalities. Some were held back physically, claiming their mentalities were the fallacies. Now we see and stand strong for those brothers and sisters, for we know the days are close, that the system of prisons has gone missing. Why and how, some may ask, we'll say due to our persistence, because we came here with love and this is our mission. Believe what you will. However, you can't deny the changes that have rearranged hate to love, wiping anger from the faces, connecting all of the races, removing complacence. E. Can't you see this is a happy journey with no time like the now? If you're mad about my poetry, delete me or call your attorney. That last bar was just for jokes, for the folks that get triggered with pokes and hopes they'll come around too, jumping on our boat to come float down the stream merrily with us because life's but a dream, at least as the song states. Again, I'm one of many demigods and I will not be replaced. Kinda wandered off track, so back to number 11. What's all of this mean? Realistically, we're all connected. Egyptian numerology master numbers the focus. I've been here many times. Most of those lives were hopeless tried to share these ideas before from being burned like a stake, bitten by snakes, stabbed with pitchforks, and I drowned in many lakes. See, they weren't ready for a prophet. So the word got around as society gossiped, this man's magic or evil as the town criers tossed it, flipped it and spun it as the rest formed a mob of vigil vigilantes and shunned him. This him were me. All but a different meat suit. This time it's different. Back to the roots. Back to barefoot nature. So kick off your boots. Like I said, join in on the finale. Become one of the many demigods. Say no to their salary. Maybe eat some celery. For it's power with love and numbers. And that's it. I'm outie. So two more. They're a little shorter, I guess. Uh, as long as I got a bit of time. This one's called Superheroes. It's fitting for my day. There's people out here we could call superheroes. Others without heart claiming they're zeros. They're afraid of the change that might break routine. Let's face it, let the chains slip and we'll all step out the machine. Do it with courage. Step away from discouragement. We can all work together toward abundance, become affluent. And whatever we'd like, anything we want could be ours. It involves us standing together to put the so-called leaders behind bars. Essentially, that's where they've had billions of us, billions of people for ages now dividing us to sell the same fucking sequel, still saying we're equal. Let's take back equality. Show those we're still people that got pressed into diamonds. Now it's our turn to take back the island. 
So let's stand together with our fists in the sky because we're all superheroes and we're waiting to fly, waiting to howl. Let's take back our freedom. Tell them we are the now. There's a one more piece here. It's a bit longer. This one's called Changes. It's another one of my favorites I've put together. Um, I've kind of just threw my books in front of me and tossed them open to pages about five minutes before the show started. So I hope you guys enjoy. Um, a few years back, told I couldn't make it as a musician, ignoring these blind gestures, still here writing, plucking strings, reciting pieces that might not shake the system. Yet, however, when I listen back to my wisdom, remember the mission I set out on the, in the first place, refusing to lose my vision. Revisit cataclysmic events that shook me, to say the least, losing my parents to cancer, opioid addiction, many more afflictions, meditation, plant medicines, helping make me the beast that I am today. Forgiving, coping with all these traumas in a new way, ignoring the bullshit naysayers have to say, this is my algorithm, and I choose happy, love over a prison. Some days are dark, I'll admit, this is a given, told by a very wise person. There's always three sides to a story. Yours, mine, the truth. No more competition for glory. My reflection was always gory. Shit, relationships I were involved in could have been featured on Maury. Enough about that shit, let's discuss the unintentional backflip caused when I had my first crack hit or when I had nothing but a mattress and a tent and a bicycle but kept writing Mad Libs. Sad when I heard I still hear of homies dying in desperate need of a crack fix or can't figure out where to put the needle in the track mix. This is me ranting, remembering why I started. For old friends still strung out and all the departed. So do not tell me musicians, geniuses are born and we can't get there through practice. I'll be living fucking proof, still standing amidst disaster. Fact is many can prove and have done so writing their own chapter, walking tall despite being picked on, growing up getting wedgies, messed with in locker rooms called names like little bastard. And maybe we were them bastards. Maybe this caused our slide backward. I picked on those weaker than myself. The bully became the bully. This is a real factor. Suicide is also very real, and I'm sorry for the laughter. And now see, we're all one. Our home lives weren't easy. Tough guys wearing masks. Enough with this greasy, sleazy way of living. Handed down from generation to generation. I'll keep saying it. We're here to break ancestral karma, domestication, addiction, getting wasted, anger, and hatred caused beatings amongst many of us, some to the point of needing a facelift with patience and to see this was training for the seventh generation, us to change the format, erase the idea of being left out on a doormat. The next in line will be loving kind without ski masks or baseball bats, except where they're actually meant to be used, not abused or defused some fucked up situation. I refuse to have this play out in my kid's story. Call me weak, say I'm complaining, but I still stand while it's raining. And I'll take these words to my grave or as a hospital patient, this is a new period, a time for greatness. Rainbow warriors, we're all here, all sexes and all races. Now for big changes, changes, thank you.
Thank you very much, Bradley. That was uh, that was amazing, Aaron. Aaron, that was amazing, amazing ink, Aaron Bradley. Um, Thank you very much. So, tell us a little bit about what's going on in in British Columbia right now. The mountains are on fire. I'm in between it all, but it rained today, which is awesome. I just came back from 50 days out in uh, on the front lines. I've been arrested. I was standing with Ferry Creek, where the old 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 growth logging is still happening. Um, so, for those of us say, but... that don't know uh, anything about that, like I I'm familiar with it, but there might be some of the guests that are not familiar with that. What is that all about? Teal Jones has been logging old growth for quite some time, and there's only 2.5% left in the rainforest of these ancient mothers is what we call them, mothers and grandfather trees. Um, it's, uh, it's horrible. And now I'm over here in the interior, and you can see climate change act as it is accordingly. Uh, I know that there's time for the old to burn and a new to rise. And I'm just trying to maintain my composure through all of this. I come from a very angry background. Um, I really want to take my hat off, even though I don't wear one for everybody out there standing in defense of, uh, of those trees. They've been out there for just about a year and a half now. Um, frontliners dealing with uh, Royal Canadian Canadian Mounted Police. If you can see the shirt that I'm wearing is one of my my buddies out of Vancouver. It's called Decolonial Clothing Line. Some people off put me when I say decolonize. Uh, they don't the indigenous don't intend for people to go back to Europe or back to where they from when there's when they're talking about decolonization it means unite. Um, it means for well, all of yeah, us because globally up. around the world, we have been colonized, and there's an indigenous from all around the world, myself included. And I'm from I'm indigenous from both European back, back European and Asian, and Canadian background. So you know, I have ancestors who have been colonized in you know because they were basically taken from their roots and moved from place to place, uh, sold into slavery, and so on. And then I have ancestors from here. Um, my grandmother. She was adopted, like taken away from her family and adopted. Um, actually, she was probably one of the lucky ones because a lot of the a lot of the children from where my grandmother would have came from never got to survive. They were they were um, they were murdered, and my grandmother was actually smuggled out and adopted by a family. And her her mother was she's part of um, you know the school system, the residential school system. So I never got to know that part of my family. Um, so yeah, the, when it comes to colonization, all across the world, we have experienced it, um, been ripped out of our, yes. ripped away from our families and our traditions and forced into what is considered a controlled structure system. And the only reason why anybody would want to to um, push that kind of structure is because it's something, they if, if you don't understand it, uh, you want to control it, right? So, um, that's right. Power, power, mm -hmm. power, and knowledge power. is power. power. And if you can't understand something, you basically 
um, try to regulate it in, in a way that you can control and understand it, um, which is unfortunate. And so, uh, but a lot of a lot of individuals across the world. I mean, I think we're all from tribes that have been forced into colonize. We've all been forced into the system and colonized, um, and we've all lost connection with our ancestors. So, and uh, when you talk about the the trees. Um, I'm also of the belief that our ancestors are, you know, you can speak to them within the trees and so on and so forth. I was taught those traditions growing up too. Um, I really appreciate you being here and um, uh, telling us all about uh, sharing your stories, your your truths. Um, I hope to have you on again. Um, thank you very much, Aaron. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the write-up as well. I'm sorry, I skipped that 26, 20, 37, 36 thing. It's okay. I should have I should have done the math. I mean, 1985. It says that right at the top of the thing, but uh, yeah. I I'll just I'll just that. I'll just put that as my mistake. <laughs> That's all good. One of my imperfectly perfect perfections. <laughs> you That's have a great right. evening. Thank you. Yeah, you as well. All right, so next we have Max Myers. And Max Myers is a Sacramento, California resident and has been for some years. Um, inspired to write by a world of natural beauty, loving friendships, and the magical and mystical spiritual relationship between all things, Max has been writing poetry and short essays for the last 60 years. A self-taught poet slash writer, he is an artist, musician, beekeeper who has traveled around this beautiful country seeing the profoundly impressive and magical sights and spending time meeting the wonderful people who make up the color and flavor of America. There is so much to observe and document, and as Walt Whitman said, one discovers the song of thyself. Max has self-published several books which are available on Amazon Books or Google Max Myers Books. Hello, Max. Hello. <clears throat> Can you hear me? Yep. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well, thank you. I sure enjoyed the last reader, by golly. Yeah, um, that was amazing. Yeah, he's awesome. Absolutely awesome. Well, I have a few poems to read. Should I start? Yeah, why don't you go ahead and start? We are excited. <laughs> first poem is called You. The wind blows across the tall green grass, carrying with it my thoughts of love. The ever young heart within my breast holds fast the memory of you. And that's that one. Um, next one is called Fair Night. It is a fair night for dreaming. The moon is tipped, pouring her thoughts and memories gently into the ethereal. As I take to my bed, my intent is to listen with my eyes closed to her softly singing that brings to life other worlds, other times and friends, lovers, adventures. But upon my pillow, dislodged from this world, my voyage unfolds. 
And this one is called Love. The seed of mankind gathered from the dust of a primordial instant evolved an intelligent universe designed to become the ripened fruit of grace. We who have been born look about in wonder and amazement. From our moment of awakening, seek love, and once found, revel in our great good fortune. Two hearts become one, and spirit and all things find complement. A touch, a glance, a kiss, bound to one another in an eternal union. Next one is called T. There in the bottom of my cup settled tea leaves. Then as I sip, they stir, shifting this way and that, only to once again settle. This time they do not appear the same. And after still another sip, again they have changed about. But the tea retaining its wonderful flavor, fragrant, warm and soothing, scarcely notices the leaves akimbo. Next one is called wind. Perhaps this wind that has blown me round, carried me over the land and back again, shown me Wonders imagined in dreams, forests and rivers, mountains and meadows, brought to me people I might never have met had it not been for this wind that blows. My heart is stranded at times near to loss, and you appear and touch my emptiness. I carry the moments with me of friendships and mysteries and bonding silently forever. Winds that have raised my eyes to see, open to the vast wild open land, the open hearth in winter with lovers, stories told of on the road and giant spirits, my dearly loved companions, sages one and all. The wind has done this for us so that we might dance singing songs of redemption, teary-eyed, holding one another a deep affection, one with the winds that have blown us together. Now I'm gonna pull a couple more out here. Um, These are lovely. Thank you. The very um, magical. You can hear me okay? Yes, I can. Okay. Um, this one's kind of funny. It's called Itchy. I spent the night, you see, with a small but feisty flea. It bit me here and bit me there. It seemed to bite me everywhere. There is one thing I've learned from this. It doesn't help to ignore or wish for the bites are always out of reach. As I twitch and jerk, the bed springs screech. Oh, its bite is louder than its bark, absolutely ruthless from the start. 
and travels with the speed of light as I lay scratching, itching through the night. When it comes to fleas, it takes but one, and grateful me when its work is done. This poem is called Fragments. Shards of pottery, all that remain, scattered across the years. Vessels broken by changing seasons, each piece but a fragment, a glimpse of the color still there. Not one piece re reflects the whole. Yet together form a mosaic that bears the story of a life, a heart's journey through time. Um, and let's see. Um, I guess this where I where I live, I'm in the middle of a huge valley. I mean huge. It's I don't know. 50 miles, 80 miles across, who knows. In this valley, it's a very productive farming valley. But in the center of it is an extinct volcano. And uh, it's actually considered an alpine mountain range at this point. But oh, it's, wow. called, it's called the Sutter Buttes. And uh, there's a lot of native history about it. Um, one of the stories is that uh, when grandfather was building the Sierra Nevada mountain range, he would carry baskets of sand from the ocean and would set them down here in the valley to rest for a bit. And a little of the sand fell out of the basket each time he stopped. And that created the uh, Sutter Buttes. It's just one of the many stories. Um, Anyway, here's the poem. Sutter Buttes. There you rest, present. Millenniums past, you were such a warrior. Bold, towering above the valley. Majestically awaiting your moment of expression. Your instant of actualization. The deafening shout of I am. Though ages have passed and a thousand impressions have fallen, risen to fall before you, still and serene you lay, in silence no need of words, as you gaze into the heavens at peace, a wonder to behold. You are the face of grace, so it seems to go with men. In youth we rattle our sticks, proclaiming our being alive intentional about something yet to come, then having spent our youth, ambition slowly satisfied, mellows the blunt edges. Receded self-importance gives way to the heavenly gifts of living, while gratitude and mercy displace doubt. Impressed with the quiet joyfulness of heart, now so like the great Sutter Buttes, one with the wind, the rain, and the sun.
I think that's it for me. Thank you, Max. That was amazing. Thank you. Uh, do you want to tell us anything else about the books you have out or what's well, going on? Yeah, I, I, um, I put two out pretty close together. Um, <clears throat> one is called All Moments Are Grace, and it it's my poetry um, from 1967 through the sum through this uh, spring of this year. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it has a lot. It, it, there, <laughs> there are a lot of love poems in there. Let me tell you, but a lot of adventure stories and observations. Um, and the other book that I uh, put out. Um, is called at the feet of sages and um it's actually volume two uh, it's, it's short essays that i've written over the last five years <clears throat> the first one was uh essays written over five years and, and what these are is um you know I spend a lot of time observing, just watching the nature of things, watching the beauty of people interacting with each other or <clears throat> the glory of uh, the countryside, the changing of seasons. Um, an example like um, in wintertime, they flood the rice fields here and all the wild birds uh, in flight uh, come and land in these in these rice fields by the billions, I mean, just billions. And um, after the birds leave, they drain them, plow them and plant rice, and then they flood them again. And after a while, you see these little green tips coming up out of the water. And later the, the rice gets taller and taller and then they, uh, <clears throat> it all goes, uh, turns yellow at the same time, and then they come through and harvest it. And, and it's a cycle. And everything around here cycles. In the foothills, in the foothills, from every two weeks, the color changes of the wildflowers. Nature has designed things that they rotate when they bloom and, and I believe this is for the salvation of all the creatures that live all the flying pollinators and mm -hmm. that everything gets fed everything has its season and everything gets fed so I observe these things and I write about them and they're my essays are short they're only half a page long comments uh, but that's what uh, At the Feet of Sages is all about. Um, the first book had the, the Sutter Buttes uh, as the cover. And, and the second book, um, I have a friend, uh, Scott Hess, who took this lovely picture of a rosebud just, just getting ready to explode. And it's so powerful. Um, that, you know, I, I look at nature as a sage. I learn from nature, nature teaches. 
So that's why that book is called At the Feet of Sages. Those are the two books I have out currently. Um, I'm getting ready to release another book called New Work. And it's poems that have been written over the course of the summer. Anyway, uh, that's it. Well, thank you again, Max. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed your stuff. I think everybody else did too. You have a beautiful you. way of sharing your observations. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I think next up we're going to have Joe introducing. All right, guys. Uh, thank you, Max Myers. That was great. Um, next up, we have Alastair Allen. Um, Alastair is a poet, actor, and master of many trades extraordinaire. He was born in Montserrat, West Indies, if I've pronounced that correctly. Uh, his most recent book, Memoir of a Montserrat Metaphysician, was awarded the Raoul International Prize in 2019. And if I've mispronunciated any of that, um, or mispronounced even <laughs> uh, any of that, Alistair, uh, please feel free to correct me. Um, if you would like to jump right into some of your poetry and your literary works, please feel free to do so. Maybe you could start off by even sharing with us an interesting fact about your acting career. Career, I find that very intriguing. Um, so maybe share a, a highlight from your acting career, something you've done uh, by, in the way of acting that you're most proud of or that is, that's maybe most interesting about that uh, journey for you and then jump into some of your works. What do you say, Alistair? How are you? Can you hear me? Alistair, are you there? It seems we might be having technical difficulties. So yeah, it seems so. Um, Alistair, oh, it looks like there we go. Alistair, there we go. Alistair, there we go. Yes, we can, I can hear you now. Yes. Oh, great. We're accidentally uh, muting your mic. So uh -oh. Oh. <laughs> that's okay. It happens. I think I've done my fair share of. Um, I ran from a different room in case it was the room. You know, you don't know how these buildings are made in the middle. But go ahead. Yes. So, one right, right. thing that happened to me in acting, I got three agents when I was in LA, but more interestingly, a charitable event at. Uh, my man Quincy Jones's crib. Now we get there, it's a winding thing all the way up there, and it's like uh, 
guys in red coats parking our cars, you know, and we uh, we were doing a benefit for Operation Breadbasket. This was run by Jesse Jackson back then. I met him and Quincy Jones. They both had good auras. They had nice handshakes. I thought they were cool. I haven't. I, they were younger. Anyway, so uh, I I did my solo. It was like uh, called East Meets West. It was a musical, and it was a benefit, like I said. And uh, I had a solo in there. And the first two jumped up naturally. Yeah, Quincy and uh, uh, Q. Yeah, Quincy. Quincy and uh, Jesse. But anyway, now that I've bragged a little bit, but then I met Nancy Wilson. And the problem was I was rude to her but inadvertently. <laughs> I kissed her hand, introduction, my girlfriend introduced us in the basement of the, uh, the complex. We had performed on a big porch and the porch had like, I don't know, 20 rows back. The pretty women from Room 222 were there, you know. But anyway, so my girl invites me after Robert Hooks took me in the bathroom. And I hate to say that we did what it was now legal. Smoked the <laughs> joint, yeah. Robert Hooks was a big exploitation actor. Nah, he was just a good actor back though, back in those days. Anyway, so I go downstairs and I kiss her hand when she offers it. I said, oh, you have a warm hand. She said, what does that mean? I said, oh, you have a cold heart. Now, that was not the right, correct thing to say, obviously, uh, very rude, but I literally meant that when your blood is concentrated in your inner organs, your extremities get cold. So if you drink booze in an ice storm, you actually, your hands will feel better, but you'll die quicker because the blood <laughs> will be wasted on your extremities, you know? Right. So anyway. Enough of that drivel. Back to back to what we're doing. I hope we don't get cut off again. I'm going to go to my page and hope that you can still hear me. Yes, absolutely. So far, so good. That's a very interesting introduction. Go for it. Okay, I'm, I'm going to start on the block, and then I'm going to kind of uh, shift gears a little bit and wind up kind of... Uh, I had planned to do some other drier stuff, my more recent stuff, over some very exotic music, which... I could act out some things that made that dry stuff better. But without music, without the copyright, I'm forced to go back to more rhythmic things. But I'm going to still start with the first two in the street. The first one is called The Skeet Beat at an Elite Street Fleet. I already need a drink of water and it's in the other room. Okay. <laughs> I talk too much. All right, here we go. Ducking in alleys, slinging that hash, making sure suckers don't check my stash. Finger on trigger, grabbing my cash. Looking over shoulder, ready? Dash. Oh. Alistair, can you hear me? It seems we lost you. Alistair, uh, we had you and then we lost you just a couple Do of you minutes. have me now? There you are. Go Can ahead. You... Con continue on. Oh, see, now nah, that means it's the page. I'm on the other page and that's what's crewing it up. Okay. I'll, tr I'll, I'll try it again. I'm, yeah, okay. unfortunately, if you go from one, one page to the other while we're live streaming, it'll kick you off if you don't have a high bandwidth, like if you don't have a lot of... Um, Wi-Fi capacity behind there. Oh, yeah. Okay. I hear that. 
Okay, well, I guess I'll just end up with the last piece because it's the first song that I ever wrote a long, like decades ago. I want to ride your roller coaster rainbow and feel your iridescent glow. Whoa, whoa. Slide up to your northern lights, steal to your Milky Way Heights. I want to heal my heart in your halo and seek out your inner sun. You make me feel like a pharaoh ever since day one. I want to glide around your erotic galaxy, sail around your sensual universe, peek at your polarities till I've quenched my stellar thirst. And that's uh, just an old tune from way back in the day. Um, I guess I could try and go over there real quick and and we just say that Saranaya at the end of that when I click out. <laughs> no. Yeah, that was that was actually some really awesome lyrics in that song. Um, yeah, if you want to, tr you can try um, try to read it again. And if we lose you, we lose you, and we'll know next time that we can just uh, if you can get your work onto uh, another, pl you know, maybe write it down or have it written. That way you can be live with us. But yeah, try it again. Actually, I have another phone. Okay. But I didn't put it in those notes. That's what I should have. It's a smaller phone, and this print is so gigantic, but I could have still blown that other one up. That's my bad. Next time, I will definitely do that. Yeah, that's no worries. Uh, yeah, you can give it a shot again, because um, the lyrics from that song you just sang, those were excellent. Uh, they were, those were a lot of fun. Um, oh, but yeah, give it, give it a try and see what happens. Otherwise, we'll, we'll go from there. Okay, I'll finish it. Damn cops gone back on block, block in a flash. Why, you short again? Don't make me rash. This the only high paying ghetto job. McCory record turns off boss man snobs. So I got to deal with these geeky slobs. Ain't trying to find nobody else to rob. Doggy dog, my mind's in a grimy fog. Blue lab treadmills like a swampy bog. Gots to be ready to leap like a frog. At least I ain't no cold chump corporate cog. Ma Dukes know that. Ma Lutes no lucky fluke. She snatch up ratchet rent with no rebuke. I keep fam safe far away from them gooks. I cook, nobody looks, then juke the kooks. My girl's belly began swelling. We ain't kicking it, not gelling, but I... And Alistair, we lost I don't know. Did I I didn't break off? Yeah, we oh. got yeah, no, we heard most of that. Yep. Go ahead. Oh, excellent. I'm gonna try one one. I'll come back to the page. Maybe it's because after a minute or something, it, it just says, Oh, you're done. Okay, yeah. all right. I'll try one more. Okay. All right. Yeah. This is this is a little more depressing. I won't be able to get to the, the fun one part. It's called postmodern plague timeouts. No more plagues, tribulation, timeouts. This time, up to your room. Go mime doubts. Step back, mask jack. Don't give me flack. House odds are stacked. Heard a redact? Sit in pristine corner like that viral mourner. 
First, the omniscient one took away sense of touches, loving, caressing, fair play during height of sexy 80s heyday. Crazed friskies made shy to enter fray, turned all wild child bedrooms too risque. Bodious bacchanal slept at bay. Then omniscient one, omnipotent one, snatched sense of sight, exposed nose. All right, we got we had you till that point, Alistair. Alistair. Yeah, okay, all right, peace. Y'all have a good one. All right, Alistair. What we did get to catch from you was excellent. We definitely appreciate it. Uh, we look forward to hearing more from you. Um, we'll be doing this pretty frequently, so we know now um, how to how to get you on the live and and uh, be able to hear all your your work for sure. But what we caught was, was wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, Joe. Have a good one. You as well. So far, everything has been absolutely amazing. Um, I've enjoyed everybody's reading up to this point. Our next author is Stuart Marshall. Stuart Irving Marshall is a compulsive Madden and Minecraft game master and connoisseur of all things cheesy, crunchy, and tasty, who also happens to be a pretty good poet and writer. Oh, yes, definitely. I've read some of um, Alistair's pieces. I would attest to that. He was raised in Brooklyn, grew up to the great height of five foot six while living in Virginia, and began writing suddenly out of the blue at the ripe old age of 40. Thank goodness he was getting really bored. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Stuart. Thank you Hello for there. joining us this evening. So how is it um, where you are today? Uh, it's pretty warm. I'm in Portland. It's we've been having a kind of heat wave here for a while, so um, it's it's kind of hard trying to keep cool around here. So I'm staying locked up, not just because of COVID, but just be just out of the heat right now. It's just I'm not used to that. I'm not used to that the way I was used to when I was in the, on the East Coast. But um, it's it's uh not, you don't have when you don't have good air conditioning it's kind of not too good <laughs> so uh i hear you on that one um we have kind of like this range between seriously hot to really cold um it's been quite rainy over the past little while where i am i'm in ontario canada currently um, it's strange weather, it's very wet, or it's really, really hot. There's no happy medium where I am. Um, so this is your book. I, I basically put together your book, Youth, Struggle, and Wisdom, The Journey to Epsilon. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it before you? Well, I was in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana in 2011, actually 2010. I was staying at a veteran uh, transitional center at the time, and I started writing poetry again. <laughs> and um, I had uh, met a young lady 
from here where I am now in Portland. And um, I was telling her about my poetry and uh, she um, offered to um, do my do the illustrations from the, my book cover. So um, at the same time, I um, I amazingly won a first pri won a publishing contract from um, Inner Child Press, where this book was published from, and um, I had the opportunity to come up to the Portland. And um, she offered, she kept a promise and uh, did my book cover by hand, actually. She drew, she drew the, um, I had three pictures on, um, on Facebook and she used those three pictures to do the cover. And um, it took a while for us to pick just the right pictures because it had to, it had to, um, it had to um, uh, match up with the with the with the title of the book. So the oldest picture I had was one from back from '89 when I was four when I was a little over 40, 40, 40 something. And um, the second one um, was a little more recent. And the last one was when I had become a, a Nichiren Buddhist and I was at, living in Louisiana at the time. And uh, that was, when was that? Like I said, that was like in 2010, 11. And um, we decided to use those three pictures for the cover and um, it turned out pretty well. Um, the one on the back cover is when I was in Shreveport um, standing outside of the downtown library, and uh, I usually um, frequent libraries wherever I, whenever I go to a new place. So that's where I am there. So uh, I have about uh, two hundred poems in that book, actually. And uh, my favorite ones are my favorite one ones are the ones I'm going to read tonight um, one of them called the rain which you uh, uh, created those pictures for it I appreciate that they perfect perfect pictures for it um, well I wanted to start with rain and go to the the sequel of that which is from the 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 characters the sons perspective, which is like, um, so I'll just, so I'll just start. The rain, she's not preaching. She's not on the phone. She's just remembering the past. The last time she saw him, they were taking him away. For what? She didn't know. But since that day, it had taken her away, far away where the only thing that matters was the love that was still there. That love that remained after the phone call, after the strip search and the perch of barrels, the singing of carols. One year, five years now, 
the visits, finding a peace, a piece of forgiveness saved up for this rainy day. She remembered the day, her tears as never and since, her words flowing like a river to everyone, to no one, to herself, remembering, helping others remember what it means to love, forgive, and never stop. She tells him to write her every day. Read, remember a verse or two from King James, pray before, she, before he goes to war, before he fights for his morning evening meal and takes his special pill for that special ill. Yes, they said, and he said, he tried to see the Lord before his time, but he really didn't know what he was doing. He was just fooling with the devil. He's okay now, long as he takes that pill for that ill, she takes two, but it makes her forget. And she doesn't want to forget. Says she wants to remember how it was before they took him away. Less of a rainy day. That's a very powerful piece. I really, really enjoyed it. I'm so glad that you submitted it to the anthology that we're working on. Um, it is an amazing piece. Yeah, that's one of my favorite ones. This is the sequel I wrote maybe a, a week after <laughs> from his perspective. I had to do it from his perspective because it just, it just weighed on me. <clears throat> it's like I'm not even here or there or anywhere. It's like I'm a ghost, a phantom, an invisible, shapeless entity, an unavoidable void of life emanating from a spot just out of, but still within the spectrum of visible light. I'm a picture in a magazine, looked at, turned from by reason of inconsistent interest. I fall into cracks of explainable humanity. Am I deserving or am I? just an eventual sound of complaint, faint with frustration, inner anger and elevated blood pressure. My paper is wet with an indistinguishable color, similar to the inside of my shoe, yet I choose to ignore it. I struggle daily with the urge to just give up, yet cannot bring myself to such a physical place equal to the measure of my thoughts. I'm tired, weary to the point of teary, to the point of fearing what I cannot control and perhaps I wish not to in the hopes that I find some truth to my existence. In my mind, I see her climbing the stairs, waiting for me to open the door she, she goes and I froze wondering why she vanished, she disappeared. I write over small, large blotches of brown design, contemplating meaning, the meaning of what is, was, and never to be. Wow. I have no words. <laughs> That's a pretty powerful piece. 
Yeah. Oh. So I did note that you mentioned that you wrote, started writing this book in when you were in transition in the veterans' house. Were yes. you, you a veteran? Yes, I. Um, two thousand seven, I lost my job in Atlanta. I was in Atlanta, Georgia, at the moment, and I had lost my job. And well, actually, I didn't have one. I I was living off of um, my father's. Um, I don't know what you call it when they leave you money when they die. I was living off of that for at least a year and then the the the, um, the economy just got so bad that um, I couldn't find a job anywhere and uh, I was homeless for the next three years in Atlanta well not just in Atlanta but Atlanta was where I ended up before I um, moved to Shreveport but um, that's where I did a lot of writing. I did tons of writing. Um, that's where I, I think that's where I wrote the rain and after the rain, but, um, I wrote about a lot of other poems while I was there. And, um, uh, that's, those are the poems that went into this book. <laughs> the, the, the majority of these, these poems that are in this book were from the poems I wrote in, in Atlanta. So, um, like my series on homelessness, which was based on my own homelessness. So um, I could read a few of those if I have time. Um, Absolutely, I would enjoy hearing them. I myself uh, experienced a few bouts of homeless, homelessness uh, multiple times. The longest stint that I was homeless was about two years. So I completely understand um, it's, it's a rough life, but I would absolutely enjoy hearing these poems, if you wouldn't mind reading them for us. Sure. Um, this is one of the, this is one, the first of three poems in its homeless, homelessness series called I Am Homeless. I am homeless from October to this very day. I make my way with what is left of my wits, with egg and grits often the only food in. I have a card but it's hard finding a place on Sunday, close without a long walk in dress shoes. Brown, I think. So downtown I stay among the skyscrapers, hidden rapers, rappers, dark mappers of lost vulnerable souls. It's gotten warm, so I stay to myself mostly. All my worldly's gone on a day too far away past to rightly say for sure a blur is was and is i'm homeless but i don't feel what i haven't felt before no i've not slept on the floor but have felt the hardness on my back nonetheless wishing it could have been the wood of trees laid flat cut and painted, unlike my life tainted with the stain of doubt, indecision about all the consistent fall rise to beginnings, to ends, to other falls and cold winters, calls within invisible doors, 
splinters from non-existent floors. I'm finally homeless. I'm finally here, there. I'm finally there, free from the boundaries, the inner world of loneliness, doubt. I'm out and about, my bag with a bag, within a bag of my everything, nothing and less. Knowing how it feels, feeling that crawl up your leg, not knowing where it's been, where it's going or even its name, if it has one. I'm finally homeless. No more fun of drafty sills, spilled pills beneath the sheets or feats aflame with the scent which bears no name, only the fine aroma of street residue, the, pleasant the pleasantly fragrant hue of the rotting stew, the city's filth and spew, the birds unappealing in appetite. I look away. I'm finally homeless. I walk the streets like lights, like Reno, flashing like Nikon, peeling like Velcro across my soul, raping my nostrils with the feel of funk, belly junk, just nasty stuff. Fluff no more, no candy, flowers at my door, just a sack within a sack, ready to break. Take me to another level of scream deep within my bowels. Not only, but not as deep as the bowel left in the street or the stench of high getting me high. Second hand, taking me to Disneyland where Mickey and Minnie greet me at my feet wanting my last piece of cheese from my last piece of bread. My last piece, I dread depression. I can't, I can't believe I'm finally homeless. I can't believe I'm alone. Guest key access only. I see the door, yet I have no key. I plead, get only stares from within the pearly, swirly, paisley, carpeted gates of paradise. My eyes ask twice, but it's like I'm mute in an invisible suit of glass. Guess key access only painted on my ass. I am outside with no place to go, hiding my nakedness from the night, from the cold, old from the years of blow blowing still. My bladder is full, but they think I bull. As they lean against the shiny breast, red pants, black stripe up the side, guest key access only, stencil to my hide. I'm lost, a ghost without a haunting shrill, with time to kill and fluid to spill somewhere. But do I dare? My feet are weak. My continents bleak, tired of the constant and inevitable. I walk anyway, looking back toward my shred of adjacent hope, hoping to cope, willing to forgive, let it pass with guest key access only 
still painted on my ass. Itching like never before. I itch like never before. My skin feels like I've slept in dust and dirt and mud and filth and anger and hate and a desire for love and peace, which is falling, dropping in value like the dollar. People hollow cars. It's not like it used to be. How many times can one return to never and expect to find the used to be that isn't there, that never was, that was more or less the same, still less than before, still itching like never before, crawling over you like they always have, but the illusions was the confusion, the mirage led, leads, led, us to an oasis of empty, empty emptiness, a chat room, a slick room, an aisle, a pile of steaming bills, an armful of chills, tears, flooding the streets like rivers, like lakes, like oceans, quakes, like snakes, the very foundation, renovation, installation, conflagration, unstoppable flame, unstoppable shame, itching like never before. Like never again will I see gas that low, cause of greed, speculation, the minimum wage high again, because of greed, speculation, fear, the beer gone, the Yankees gone, fog gone, back, gone, back and gone, itching like never before. The fears, the concession stands, higher prices, higher, the West is on fire, the Middle East is on fire, and Bush is a liar, liar and his pants are on fire. A man out of air, without a care and itching like never before. To return to his stash, his flask, the final task to flood the plane with a bit of 90 proof. Proof, proof, we need proof. He, was, he never had to let them die and die and die and cry, not tell them why, the truth, the look from the kitty chair as they were flying, flying there like he knew, like he flew the crew, like he knew the painful look that shook the soul, the souls rising, leaving this world, rid of the itching, never before, never again, watching the burning bush, burning the scab, healing, itching like never before. The look, how long did he practice it before it became as real as his empty heart, knowing, not sharing, not caring, content to itch like always, like before and always, spreading his disease, his disease like a disease, like a plague, like an incurable itch, hoping it keeps him on at night, out of sight, out of mindless, heartless, festering itch. My skin feels like it needs to scratch, a life clean to the bone, start over, Move over and over till the spot's done itching. Homeless warrior. I have my gear. I show no fear. I march to the beat of the drum inside my soul. I am bold without being brash. I hold no cash in stashes or thatches, but make my way on the finance of wit. The wherewithal to call on instinct beyond the horizontal view. 
I stew in silence, my bread tough yet fair. Dare anyone to stare, lest he be captured by my mutual stare of consistent fluidity. Melting in the heat of the desert sun, no sand but the one counting off the hours of the hourglass. Half past empty to be turned, each grain falling to its seconds. The multitudes gathering in organized discipline, and a line unsteady at best and ready at worst for the burst that lingers past eyes bent and full of hope, full of cope, full of dope, dead. I relieve a mother's gear, the fear in another place. My feet dry once more with the new cadence inside my soul. My march is unsteady, still bold, still old from the painful joints, the alleys where space was no frontier, but a back seat to limp, lazy limbs, pumped full of poison, chosen to cure imaginary ills, chills and past denials, piles and piles of bones left meatless, a complete meat mess after the dogs have had their share, then the cats that scratch to the bone for another taste, then the smaller families that make their way to that same spot to finish what remains. Long hard walk. I've walked that long hard walk. Shuffle down streets, down Capitol Street, Peter's soul searched like an ancient explorer, marching in a dark and distant land, lost in the mist, the musk sinking in the muddy, dark muck that seems to turn to stone, nightmaring you to a place of frustration, the capital and largest city despair, saying you can't fight City Hall, but trying doesn't make it so. I keep struggling for further than yesterday, bundling up in the cold, cause it's cold, real cold. Keep eating that white bread and sausages from Vienna, no less, crushing in my slung over sack till I can't find something more of substance to fill my emptiness and distance myself from the darkness as best I can. As steel honed to a sharpness cut. Unravel that which has been hidden, shown. Dispel the doubts, both far and wide and near, but a flicker of lash to a burning cauldron, to cinder, to ash, to vapor, to breathe into the night, to hack and slash, both lung and sword, bored not to action, silver's gleam. Alone, but for his mighty team, warriors all. The call from lips, from the gauntlet to arm to fingertips. As steel honed to a sharpness cut. Chain and mail for peck and gut. Right on. Until the, until the dawn appears, thrust forward shield to shade the sun. Fight forward then and all is done. March homeward and March homeward bound to arms, both wide and love revealed, hidden inside, a victory of heart, 
the true love's call. Wow, those are some very, very powerful poems. Um, you really drew me in. I could, uh, I actually pictured myself. I, I know that you were talking about the point and when you were homeless, you, these details come from them, but I had visions of being a soldier. Um, there seems to be a lot of correlation in their poems with that. Um, that came to my mind anyway. I myself uh, was a soldier. Um, and I myself have experienced homelessness, so I completely resonate with a lot of the information that you have um, brought forward and in, in beautifully brought forward in your words. Thank you. Um, I, I think I, I think it was, if I remember correctly, um, all of those poems, the, the homeless poems were written in a week's time, um, one after the other, they just came. I mean, I don't know if you've ever experienced poet, uh, writing poetry that just doesn't stop for some yes, reason. I it's, have, I have, it's, and it's, it's like, it wants to be heard now. <laughs> and it's <laughs> persistent. If you don't, if you don't write it down and get it out, it's like the words, it's, it's they want to be spoke. It's, I, mm -hmm. I feel, uh, I'm an empath, so I feel on an, on an energetic level, it's like this pressure, but it comes from outside because I feel that we, we feel our surroundings and we're very in tune with it. And mm -hmm. sometimes there's this information through like the emotions and the experiences and everything that's going on and, and they just want to be spoken to mm -hmm. and they want to be pre presented for it. And because of the lives that we've lived and what we like you know basically the places we've been and the things we've experienced and the knowledge we've obtained through our steps we have the, the keys to bring those words forward and it's like it's like universe says no come on bring it out now put it put it into words bring it forward in presentation so yeah. um yeah i have experienced many of those moments and um i i let it i let them i let them flow and then sometimes i get the experience where there's like the moments where it's silence um it's like all the energy has been spoken to and everything has been transformed and transformed the way that it, it needs to be transformed um it's like you're taking the words and the experience and the information and the energy and and you're taking them from the cocoon like the 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 caterpillar in the cocoon and transforming in them into a butterfly yeah and um i i, I have several other ones that are that are that i've written um based on um based on true true um stories um i'll probably read those next time when, when next time but um i was on the bus <clears throat> i was on the bus going to work in uh, minneapolis minnesota one uh, and um i it was the it was the the morning uh that um this 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 guy what is his name um was being executed um, I cannot think of his name right now. Um, McVeigh. When, when McVeigh was being executed for the um, Texas murders, the Texas um, school murders or whatever. And um, I got a poem on my way to work that day about it. 
And um, pe I think people were staring at me because I was just crying out of the blue while I was on, on my way to work writing this on the bus. And um, people were, I think people were wondering <laughs> if I, uh, what was wrong, but nobody, nobody asked or anything, but I just wrote it on my way to work and it was just, I'll read it next time, but um, it just, it, I don't know. It was one of my, one of my um, easiest and hardest poems to write. I don't know if I can wait till next time now. <laughs> <laughs> it was like. I, and, and, um, That's a teaser and a half. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I, said, I know. I know I'll start crying when I read it. That's why I don't want to read it today. That's why I don't okay. want to read it now because it always I'll does. Let you off. I'll let you off the hook. So, that. I don't want to. So, I don't want to put you in the position where you where you're brought yeah. to tears uncomfortably. But um, I'll I'll read that. That would be my last poem the next time I read because it's it's very hard to read. Um, knowing what I know about the guy himself when I, I did re research. I didn't, I didn't actually research. I um, actually saw him on 60 Minutes before, uh, not long before he was executed. And um, he said a lot of things that made me think about um, his life and um, what, he was, what he was going through. And I don't know that on that bus that, that day, it just came out of me because I was thinking about him at the moment and it was like, oh my God, where did this come from? And it's like, what? And um, I, I don't think I, <clears throat> I don't think I was right the rest of the day after that, but I, I somehow I got myself together about it. But it was a very, very emotional, emotional poem that one of the most emotional poems I've written, but um, it's whoa. Well, you'll hear it. <laughs> you'll know. <laughs> you'll know. You'll know as soon as you hear it. Um, and um, uh, um, all the people that have commented on it, they, they, um, they were speech. First, they were speechless, and then they were like, "What? Did, where did that come from?" I said, "I don't know." <laughs> Um, it just, I don't know, it was some, it's some, it's, it's, it was like, I don't know, it was like, um, it's, it's hard to explain, it just, it just, um, the idea came, once the idea came, and once I realized what, what day that was and what was going to happen that morning, it just came to my mind. It just came to my mind and it, I just, it just came to me. And <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm not for, I'm really not for capital punishment, even though it, uh, I'm anti um, capital punishment, but his case was kind of um, different. I mean, and um, it affected me to the point where I, I wrote that and um, it was just interesting. I knew nothing about him other than, than what he did in um, the interview I heard on 60 Minutes, but um, 
that was what came out and it's like wow <laughs> so you're here um when it, when when is your next um um show next week on saturday okay um Same we're time. hoping to yeah well we're hoping to alternate between midday and evening so okay. that some of our international um poets could hop on because you know um for some of the international poets midday is supper time and it's mm -hmm. our lunch time and so maybe every other every other week it'll be like midday and then every other week it'll be evening same time yeah um i joined a, a poetry group here in portland called um <laughs> called right around portland and um i haven't been there in a while but um it, it was it was um, when i got to portland it was like one of the things i um I always want to try to find a place where I can um, um, write either a library or a writer's group or whatever. And uh, that that came in very handy at the time um, because I was still homeless here, even here in Portland, for uh, a month or two. And then uh, I got my place and then... Uh, um, Things kind of settled down, and um, got my book. When I got my book out on 2014, and um, everything kind of settled down. But um, I'm I'm just glad you started this because I needed to. I needed an incentive to start writing again, and um, I think this is going to jumpstart my writing again. And I I thank I thank you, and I appreciate. Um, being a part of this tonight. Thank you very much. I appreciate your presence here and everybody's presence here. Um, so far, we've had a collection of phenomenal writers. And um, I believe you yourself, with all the experience you've had in your, li in your life, um, are and a writer that can bring forward a powerful voice. And... Um, I appreciate you being here with us and reading for us, and I'm thankful for your presence. Thank you, and I'll be sure to be there next next time <laughs> to share more. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Thank um, you. You have a nice night. You too. Thank you very much. All right, next up we have uh, Joe. Joe is a published poet and author of the book Cosmic Poetry from Darkness Comes Light. I write from the perspective of a broken and mended mind. Um, he says his approach is to find the light and dark in all things and then the beauty and the balance of those energies. He pulls his ins inspiration from his personal and daily experiences. He hopes to connect with people from all walks of life by way of the source that connects every single one of us in existence. His poetry can range from abstract and based in the beautiful things of life to diving deep into the depths of darkness, finding the pain and beauty there as well. Hi, Joe. Hello, Alicia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? 
Wonderful. I'm just sitting here enjoying all the previous poets before me, um, wondering how I'm going to follow all that wonderful work. Same here. This is yeah, been amazing so far. Yep, it's a lot of I'm fun. excited to hear what you have too, though. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know me, I enjoy entertaining and uh, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to uh, share some of my works. And, um, it, you know, for me, it's like story time. So that's, that's the way I look at it. Um, I guess I won't uh, take up too much time outside my 15 minutes and I'll just dive right in. As you mentioned, uh, I am published and the poems that I'll be reading tonight are from my book, Cosmic Poetry, From Darkness Comes Light, uh, which can be found on blurb.com. And uh, true to the name of the, the book, Cosmic Poetry, I'm going to let the cosmos choose what I read tonight. And I'm just going to kind of open the book to a page, and those will be the poems that I read. I tend to be very over-analytical of myself um, and decide what's good and not good. And therefore, sometimes a lot of my poetry doesn't get read for those reasons. So tonight, I'm just going to let the universe decide what I read. Sounds awesome. All right. So with that being said, we'll start here. Okay. So this is a poem called Woodrow. And this Woodrow was the name of a dog of my aunt's. And um, for the first and only time in my life, I had to experience uh, taking that dog to um, his final resting place. And uh, he, he, he was become very ill and it was the only option. And I had to be there at his bedside while uh, he took his final breath. And this was my experience. And this was my goodbye letter to him. But it's called Woodrow. This morning I said goodbye to Woodrow down on the road of Arrow. His health faded and his body was raided. I was called to act with mercy. His journey was no longer earthly. He was a good boy until the very end. In the last moments, I held in my hands the precious face of man's best friend. I dared not leave him to go alone. I sat with him face to face while this mercy was shown. It was hard and it hurt my heart, but his condition demanded that we must part. Goodbye, Woodrow, you old rover. Be free and in peace. Your dog days are over. And this beautiful. next... Go ahead. Oh, I just said that was beautiful. Well, thank you. It was a very, very uh, tough experience for me. And uh, it was uh, healing, I guess, and closure for me to, to write that poem uh, in honor of, of that beautiful being. Uh, the next poem that I've written here is kind of a fun, playful approach to the concept of facing our inner demons, facing ourselves as the monster we are. And uh, rather than being afraid of that aspect of ourselves, merging with it and becoming one. So this poem is entitled, A Me Under My Bed. Good night, little monster, mommy monster said. But mommy, how can I sleep when there's a me under my bed? Now, little monster, there's no such thing as a me. So roll over, close your eyes, and you will see that fast asleep you will soon be, said Mommy Monster ever so softly. Wait, please leave the light on so I can see, in case I'm right and you are wrong about that me that is so very, very scary. If you insist, this I will do. 
However, I'm certain you will find there is no me in here, only just you, said Mommy, so certain and true. But as little monster lay there in the dark, his thoughts grew loud and even growled and barked. He began to imagine, and in his mind he could see the image of that scary me, and he began to fear that me could also see he. With all his might, he chose to be brave in hopes himself he could save from an early grave. So he peeked over the edge to look under the bed to confirm the fears that played out in his head. Imagine his shock as his world it did rock to find out that that me that every night did scare he turned out to in fact be just as afraid of he as he be afraid of that me. They laughed at the fright that they had lived each night and vowed from that moment to no longer be just me and he, but from then on to be known as the dynamic duo in one they now call we. Awesome. All right. So this one is called actually oh, I lost my page here. It's called The Tree of Life. And this is a little bit of a longer poem. And uh, this was written about a true experience that I had during a point in my life where I was overcoming addiction. Um, and also going through emotional, mental, and spiritual warfare um, with myself. And I experienced things during that time that was completely unexplainable and previously unknown to me. And so this is an experience that I truly had. This is um, not really embellished at all. I told it from a poetic point of view, um, but it's pretty true to the events, how they unfolded and how I experienced them under whatever pretense that may be based on anybody's perception. But that's called the tree of life. I remember the day very well, the day I felt called to walk out back. And there I would notice something descending in a controlled fall to the ground. What it was, I could not yet tell, but I soon recognized it as a black pod that seemed foreign to this world and extraterrestrial in origin. I remembered hearing that an alien spacecraft would await approval to land on your property. So I quickly commanded it to do so and gave my welcoming permission. I felt this all took place from a point of intuition. There was, however, something more I could feel it, like a nonverbal indication, something more like telepathic communication. The pod did take final stand there on my land, as per my demand. But I lost sight of it and asked it to make a sound so I could follow it to the place where it took rest. This request, it granted the best as it started beeping and chirping like what you hear on the television right before they say, this is just a test. As I looked high and low, I listened to its sound so I could know if I were hot or cold. Then all of a sudden, like something out of a sci-fi show, I spotted it there, that which until that moment I had only imag imagined and could not possibly know. There was the fallen pod and alongside it stood a metaphysical being that had no form yet for my benefit, temporarily took shape. It did this by using the environment around me and the objects in my line of sight to appear as a physical being for as far as my mind and imagination could formulate. It was by nature an unseeable and consciously aware individual, while also part of a greater single entity. Only when taking shape purely for my visual benefit did it appear physical at all, but as a transparent liquid or plasma plasmic-like trait while fostering this physical state. 
I fell to my knees in complete awe and admiration, but also to signify I was there in peace, as I felt to be in that moment the representation of the entire earthly and human nation. I spoke without words, but my audible voice I could still hear as I spoke to those whose existence I would soon come to understand. They were my, our spiritual family, rejoined with the great spirit collectively. They were the aliens of earth, the aliens from this land. They questioned why I called them from up in the air, why I asked them to join me there on the ground. I replied that upon seeing the pod, I had questions that burned deep within me and thought they could provide the answers to, if only with nothing more than a nod. I wept with emotions that with any known language I can't describe, as I gazed upon my siblings there with me in that moment, but having come from another time. They seemed almost like the beloved creatures from Star Wars, specifically like Ewoks and ancient tree-like beings. I simply could not process what I was seeing. They stayed with me for some time. I must have to them appeared to not be the most advanced species of this place, instead more like a simple-minded creature with not much universal cultural living culture living between my headspace. They so kindly entertained my need to proceed. I kneeled there, gawking and babbling with no point to make within my reach. So finally, I decided to concede from such a deed. Then I remembered the pod and asked what was carried within it. To my further surprise, they replied that it was a seed. I had just asked what I was to do with this experience, and their response was to share this truth and information of their existence with all of humanity. I expressed my concerns of the possibility with my fellow human beings to be less likely to believe me and more likely to question my sanity. In order to share such amazing news and not have it lost in translation, I so humbly ask if it were possible that they leave me something for the purpose of validation and education. The seed, they said, was that very thing, for what they were gifting me was what they called the tree of life, a tree, it seems, on which birds would per perch and sing. They planted it there, and before my very eyes, I swear, it grew instantly into a sapling as I watched without blinking to be fully aware. In the midst of pure shock and disbelief, I somehow managed to consider the placement of the tree as being too far back into the woods, afraid this location impossible to remember where to return to so that others may come to see the gifted tree. I hesit hesitantly requested that it be moved forward to the open space there closer to me. They would not comply as I stood there watching with fixed eyes, their every move like a spy. But only when I turned my back and slowly walked towards the desired location did they begin to levitate the tree and move it for me from back there deep beneath all the vegetation. As quickly as they came, they left back to the sky as I sent them off with a heartfelt goodbye. I turned to admire the gift of flora, the impossible tree they had given to you and me. It was upon further inspection that I realized this tree was not just one trunk, but three. The tree grew again into a small adult in the matter of moments there in my presence. And with that, I'll leave you with this last little honest tidbit that there in that backyard, I vow to you this day, that tree there still sits. So that was a, um, a truthful event, that, uh, a real event that I experienced. Some may apply many different labels to that experience, um, whether it be hallucination, whether it be a spiritual experience, whether it be um, a close encounter with the non-physical world, whatever the case may be. However, a person may explain that experience uh, in a manner that they best are able to understand it. That experience uh, was genuine for me. And I wrote that poem about it. 
And yeah, so I remember, uh, I remember when you went through that experience personally. And right. I think that you've the poem you created to bring that information forward is wonderful. You did Thank a really you. good job of Thank yeah, you very much. Condensing that because that, that was a really panic panicking time for you too, in a way. It was kind of scary at times. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. That 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 was some of the most beautiful experiences paired with some of the most absolute horrific, terrifying experiences, all wrapped in one. Um uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty and looking back on it. It, there was so much beauty in so many different things, even in the things that I f was afraid of and that I was hurt by. Um, they were really much more beautiful than I knew that they were at the time. Um, so to wrap my time up here without taking much more, I'll try to read a couple more here. Let's see what the book opens up to. Okay, so this one's called Mind, Body, and Soul. And this is loosely based around the concept that I believe that we've been misinformed to some degree. We've been taught that we're a body that contains a soul that resides within this physical body. Um, but we all know that there's this field of perception around us that we feel when, you know, you ever felt like someone's just looking at you from behind you, you just feel eyes looking at you, or you just feel someone in your bubble someone's walked mm -hmm. up on you, um, there's still the perception. And it leads me to believe that there's a possibility that uh, our soul may actually be this closer to the concept of what we consider maybe like the aura, this light that is around our body, not within our body. Um, you know, uh, much like a puppeteer uh, commands mm -hmm. the puppets from above, um, not from within the puppet, uh, except for maybe the hand that's inside the puppet, but uh, it's an interesting concept. So I'll leave, I'll just leave it there for you, for your minds to, to let that marinate, come up with your own beliefs there, but it's called mind, body, and soul. The Trinity of who we, excuse me, the Trinity of who, what, and where we are. There may, however, be a case of misplacement. You see, it seems we've internalized that which is external to a detrimental degree. Our soul, we believe to dwell within our body alongside the heart and brain internally. We couldn't be more wrong about where we reside in regards to ourself. We call it our aura, our field of perception, but the space around us is in fact us to begin with, our soul inside our body seemingly a myth. That feeling of being watched without confirmation of sight is our spirit enveloping our body, aware of our surroundings unknown to our eyes. Phantom pains after limbs lost and blindfolded truths told blindly of feelings of touch when no touching has occurred is evident of a soul outside the anatomical vessel hard at work. There's the voice we hear within us spoken from somewhere else. Who is that we hear as us from beyond the physical bond? The biological AI in communication with the organic and energetic spirit breathing life from outside the hardware into the calculations made from repetition called muscle memory and circumstantial education. Your soul does not live within you, it is you. The being beyond the body, tethered to the tool necessary to interact with this physical world. The universal law stating that while in a particular reality, one must abide by the laws of that reality. A non-physical you, the soul driving the body like a Kia soul to navigate the roads of this tangible mapped plane of existence. And then I'll wrap it up with this last one here. I'll choose this one actually. Um, 
this is a bit of a controversial poem, I believe. Um, it's meant to ruffle feathers, but in a way that it's meant to have you question what it is you've been taught to believe by way of religion and spirituality. So I've appropriately entitled this poem, Irreverence. The church of organized religion is downwardly crumbling and tumbling. Over their centuries of lies, they are stumbling. Their attempt to continue upholding such falsehoods, they are fumbling. No longer capable of humbling mankind's soul and free will to submission, leaving them unable to speak their truth, only mumbling. Everywhere I look, their doors are closing to the scene of empty pews. The liars, thieves, hypocrites, and false prophets are finally paying their dues. Their blasphemy and hatred, disguised as love and preaching, has seen its last day in the pulpit, spewing bigotry and scripted teaching. The truth hidden in their own lies, stating that the masses falling for the lies of the false prophet would be our downfall and demise. Unable to see that the evil that lives among us is in that which has gained the most popularity. A clear indication outlined within their own indoctrination that the way and direction of the masses, which are those in Sunday attendance, would be the fall of the human nation. To the now empty halls of solitude and vacancy, I say well done. To those few of us against the grain goers, because of whom victory has been won. We stood when they kneeled and fought through their hell to be healed. It's so deeply rooted and twisted, which is evil or good, that most damn near missed it. The day of revival and rapture of the soul of humanity, no longer baptized in the traumatized baths of biblical insanity. And that's my time. All right. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was wonderful. Um. Is there anything else? I guess you already talked about your book. Is there anything else you have going on that you want to talk about? Um, before you go? No, that's that's pretty much it. Um, I've got a couple of more books. Uh, actually, we're working on an anthology here within Three Amigos uh, poetry page. Um, I'm excited to see what that turns out to be. There's some great work that's been submitted, and we're in approaching the final stages of of putting that together. Um, and I'm really happy to be a part of a project that allows there to be a publication platform for so many different people. Um, and the artwork that's going into it, I'm super excited for everybody that's a part of it to see the art that has been paired with their work um, and to see it all brought to life um, for, for many different people, people who come from different levels of, of writing, some that are, you know, uh, published many times over to people that have never uh, had their work published at all. So I'm super excited about that. We are working on that anthology as well as myself. I'm working on an, another uh, book now um, and still still learning the ropes for the first book that I've published and, and entering into this world of publication and how that works so that I can not only uh, better my, my own publication journey, but to help others who may follow. All right. Well, yes, thank you very much. I'm excited for your second book, for sure. I've seen a little glimpse of it. So it looks really awesome so far. Thank you, thank you. Um, and yeah, I'm very excited about the anthology too. Absolutely, glad to be working with you on it. Same here, brother.
All right. Well, I guess with that, I'll pass the mic to Mary. Yeah, awesome. And our next poet is Alicia, our very own Alicia. She is a published poet, artist, mother from the state of Oregon in the United States, and she loves nature, animals, music, poetry, art, and art of all forms. Um, she should probably put in bold letters on her, on all of her biographies, that she is an animal lover, a massive animal lover. Um, Alicia, you have all kinds of animals where you're located, don't you? Um, they are around, yes. They're not all mine, but I always have a lot of animals around me, it seems, throughout my life. <laughs> they seem to know where to find you if they need a home, and you're, you're a good spirit that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I try to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, not too long ago, you had a bunch of chicks that you you looked after um, and did your best that you, did the best that you could to ensure that they, you know, were able to thrive. Some of them didn't quite make it, but some of them did. Um, I think I think the animals that come into your life have are lucky that you're there. Um, I feel that you're a good spirit and. Um, I really enjoy having you as my friend and co-host and also fellow fellow editor on the anthology that we're working on and Three Amigos. You're an amazing artist and I can't wait to hear your poem. Thank you. All right, well, um, I just kind of pulled a few random ones off my page for now. I think I'll just start at the top and go down. Uh, this first one is called Playing Solitaire. Would you still care if I disappeared, got lost and took a path unclear? If my mind wandered in a hazy maze so far alone for days and days, would you still be right here? Or would it all change the way you feel, every lacking phone call taking toll on what's real? I spiral into the unknown as you perceive me in hiding and try to dig out of the hole I fell into and in which I am currently residing. This solitary confinement is not as it appears. Uh, and the next one I've got is called The Quiet Ones. Um, and most people who know me know I'm I'm pretty quiet until you get to know me. You're um, the master of silence for sure. Um, it is, a, it is a great form to master and many, many people um, seek, you know, when they're on their journey, their spiritual journey and their healing journeys, they seek to master the, the silence. And for some, it is a very difficult task, but um, you, you have a story to tell with that one. Did I lose you? <laughs> I think I got kicked out. Alicia. Hello. Joe? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so you got me. All right. <laughs> you, you silence mastered me. Silence ninja. You silence oh, ninja. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, better get to this before any more uh, quirks happen. <laughs> quirks All right, quirks. the quiet ones. <laughs> Um, they say to watch out for the quiet ones, those reserved to observe who are still, those whose minds are evolved, vast and twisting, but whose thoughts you can really not tell. They say they'll surprise you when you least expect with words that will give you a chill. They say to watch out for the quiet ones, for when faced when an 
with an egg hard to crack. Those speaking the words of warning will rarely take time to ask. Instead of peeling back the layers of the quiet one's painful masks, they explain in distrustful gossip why in silence some might bask. They say to watch out for the quiet ones, call them dangerous, snobby, or weird. Instead of trying to learn more of them, for if speaking they may have... Alicia, I think you got kicked. Um, maybe you're having a little bit of technical difficulties on your end. Yeah, I might, I might be. The service wanna, has been a little rough. Do you want to give that one another shot? Um, sure. All right. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. They say to watch out for the quiet ones, those reserved to observe who are still, those whose minds are evolved vast and twisting, but whose thoughts you can really not tell. They say they'll surprise you when you least expect with words that will give you a chill. They say to watch out for the quiet ones or when faced with a card to crack. Those speaking the words of warning will rarely take time to ask. Instead of peeling back the layers of the quiet ones' pain, painful masks, they explain in distrustful gossip why in silence some might bask. They say to watch out for the quiet ones, call them dangerous, snobby, or weird. Instead of trying to learn more of them, for if speaking, they may have some fear. They say to watch out for the quiet ones without seeing that what they accuse is a mirror back, out, back at them of their own mistrust. Wow, that is a beautiful piece. I don't know why they say watch out for the quiet ones, though. I think once again, you cut out, Alicia. Alicia? We must be experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Um, Joe, I Hello? think I'll, uh, Alicia popped back on. I was saying that's a powerful piece and we lost you momentarily. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I could hear you the whole time. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, all right. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. All right. I've got two more. I'm going to try to read real quick. Perfect. All right. This one is called Raindrops. A girl stared out the window, watching the falling rain, and the droplets making paths and patterns down to the window pane. Some moved slow, some moved fast, some merged together and some fell past, but all joined the puddle at the bottom of the glass. She thought, it must not matter how we get there or when, but maybe we, we will all still go to the same place in the end. An ideal thought she knew, despite her age, to be true, but what is wrong, she wondered, with hoping that the world could be made new. She drew spirals on the misty window, coming from them vines. Hmm. Alicia, it looks like you got kicked off again. We're experiencing minor difficulties. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Hmm. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. 
All right. I think I'm going to go ahead and stop there. I don't think it likes me being on the other page trying to read. (laughs) I get that. Um, yeah, when, when you're basically, because it is a high bandwidth, like there's a, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of juice. So my dogs are my, that's my dog Coco. He's very, um, it sounds really scary and sounds really loud, but he's a giant chicken. Um, (laughs) he will, he'll bark loud Mm -hmm. and run the other direction, um, sometimes under a couch or something like that, uh. He's got a little bit of anxiety. Um, well, thank you very much. I appreciated what we did here. Hopefully next time, because um, most of the time it works for you, but hopefully next time we'll we'll be able to hear every part of the, your your work. It is, it is beautiful. It is wonderful. Um, thank you very much. For thank you. Us. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. So last but not least is our host, Marie Moldovan. Um, She is a Canadian Armed Forces veteran. She is a poet. She is also a Reiki master, a shaman, an artist, a neuro-linguist programmer, a life coach, and a master of many trades. Um, I have had the great opportunity of working with Mary um, through shamanism and uh, Alongside her, while we both took on our uh, poetic publication journeys, um, we have edited for each other uh, in those journeys and in those books. And I know her work is extremely fascinating, and it is a twisted, fun, sometimes dark, sometimes whimsical, but always wonderful, creative um journey through her mind written in a poetic fashion um so i know you guys are in for a treat and with that being said i will pass the mic over to her and let her take it away thank you very much so i really appreciate that introduction um i was going to close off with a meditation but i thought that would take much too long we've actually run over the time that i thought we and i'm actually happy for it because we've we've heard some really amazing poets tonight and i'm glad for that so instead of reading the meditation i planned i'm going to read a poem called wicked persistence Laying on a park bench, overpowered by the hood stench, too depleted to move an inch, fighting slumber's vulnerable clench, conscious it be a weight in my weary state. I may be powerless to bench, wrought in vexations, questions over my fate. I let my watchful grip unclench and release myself to the mercy of night. Bang, bang. Gasping for air, I jolt up in fright, scan the scene with the hypervigilant sight. Jerking my head left then right, I observe no immediate danger. Only a tweaked out stranger half a block away, babbling kind of cray cray. Wearing only underwear and socks, loading what appeared to be a crack pipe with rocks. Clang, clang, crash. My heart jumped violently, startled by a pair of rats knocking over the trash. Cold, clammy, drenched in sweat, I jumped to my feet, headed fearfully down the street. 
Hearing a spine chilling banshee scream, I stopped dead in my tracks, scanned the scene, and to my dismay witnessed a diapered toddler alone in the park, screaming for their mother. Glad it wasn't the scream of a supernatural monster, but frustrated to be a babe alone without a mother or father. I set aside my need for self-preservation and headed over to the tot with a motherly compassion. Hello, little one. My name is Mary. I'm here to help you find your mummy. Do you know where she is? Now, noting the toddler pointing to the other side of the sandy garden, I reached my hand out and told him to lead the way to his cabin. Sniffling, he firmly grabbed my hand and led the way across the sand. Upon reaching the gate of our destination's end, a woman stumbled down a flight of stairs, weaving and wobbling in drunken swears, blaming the child for her lack of responsible care and asserting in a drunken tone, I needed to mind my own. Before aggressively dragging her infant son into the cabin, stunned, I stood under the street lights, eerily flashing, the early flashing at 3 a.m. and pondered how in the world humanity got to the point in existence where deflecting blame onto a child was normalized with wicked persistence. I actually wrote that wrote that poem and um, it is based off of a true story from my days on the street. Um, I used to sleep on a park bench and found it more comfortable than being anywhere near my family or the family home or even in a stationary environment. Um, I had got to this point in point in my life where I couldn't stay in a you know a home or what what is considered a traditional uh, traditional housing. Um, I needed to move around. I needed to I needed air. I needed to breathe, and I needed to be mobile because. Um, I was experiencing a lot of anxiety, a lot of paranoia, a lot of like I had I had gone through um, extremes amount, extreme amount of trauma up to that point, And I felt safer moving and um, moving from place to place and sleeping on a park bench exposed than I did in a um, in an apartment or a home or or even with my or near my family. So. That poem, again, is based off a true story. Um, I did come across a young child in the park alone, screaming in diapers, and I did bring the child home, and the mother, you know, she seemed to be really upset. Um, to add more to the story, she actually got very angry at the child's um, brother, who would have probably been maybe a year or two older, and I, I basically heard her screaming at him for not doing his job and looking after her, you know, his little sibling and not being responsible. And I couldn't believe my ears. It was like, this is, this is madness. Um, you know, it's madness, but yeah, that's my poem. And again, it's Wicked Persistence. And I thank everybody for joining us. I'm just going to plop, um, Alicia back on the screen and we're going to say goodbye and once again thank you for joining us hopefully you'll you'll tune in next time um have a nice evening Alicia Joe do you want to say anything before we go uh just thank you to everybody who showed up and, and joined us on our uh first um episode of this endeavor I hope 
to see everybody return many times over and to watch this grow and develop into something wonderful so that many more wonderful uh, literary artists can have themselves heard and share their wonderful work and their wonderful stories. I found so many things fascinating from all the people that joined us all the way from Mr. Bradley up there in British Columbia doing his part to um, fight for the environment all the way to um, the gentleman that is the actor, Mr. Alistair, um, knowing, you know, uh, Jesse Jackson and, and Quincy Jones. So such an, an interesting spectrum of wonderful people and, you know, getting to know them and, and things about them and what they're out there doing in the world and then having them share, uh, bravely share their, uh, their stories that are, that are many times uh, personally uh, important to them, you know, attached to very personal experiences and sharing that on a platform publicly for other people to hear. So thanks everyone for that. And, uh, can't wait to see what this becomes over oh, time. Actually, we have a surprise. We have a surprise. We're not going to go yet. Nope. We've got one more. We've got two more, um, two more poets popped in at the end. Um, they, uh, had originally said that they might not make it. So, we're not leaving. We're going to actually take, we're going to take on these uh, two wonderful poets and bring them on the stream um, and let them read. Um, I'm just going to pull up the screen. I'm excited. I didn't think they would make it. Um, it one of the poets is having a birthday. So it's like a happy birthday experience. Um, yay. I love surprises. So cool. We're like closing the show off and then going, wait, we're not closing the show off. How exciting. <laughs> okay. So our next poet, our last wonderful poets are Ashley and Zhao Hurst. They're a couple of oddballs trying to make a sense of this crazy world by guiding their two boys in an incredibly mad world. Hello. Thank you for popping in. I almost didn't catch you there. <laughs> I'm so glad you did make it. I got to be the encore. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. Um, so I did prepare a little, um, I have something prepared for your wife, but I'll let you read first, if you don't mind. And then when, when Ashley pops on, I have something prepared for her. I, I know. I, Audio okay? Yeah. Everything is good. Everything's perfect. Right. Uh, we are on, babe. <laughs> All right. Uh, is my audio coming through here? Or? Your audio is coming through perfectly. Okay. So how is your day so far? Let's see here. Death had a love, a beautiful love. It gave his soul a light. And in secret, he would cherish it and guard it with all his might. He could not show anyone his great prize, his light. For who would fear a demon with such a love for life? He'd give up his power now and forever for the chance to take her hand. And now he asked her to be with him. To play her part in his plan. But his love said no, a terrible blow. 
and his tears, they fell like rain. So now she's known forevermore as the one who caused death pain. Wow, that's, that's powerful. That is an amazing, amazing poem. Um, so how was your, how was your evening so far with your, and I know that it's Ashley's birthday. How did, did everything turn out well for you? I'm having like horrible lag here. I, I don't know if it's just a technical issue here. Or... It's okay. Everything is radio. So as long as you can hear me, can you hear me? Well, Jow, can you uh, hear Mary uh, at all? Mary, can you hear me? I can. Uh, hear ultimately, you. it did. I mean, it, we had reservations for like two o'clock, and yeah, I, I jumped on here as soon as I got on. So. I, I did what I could. I got here as soon as I could. So, well, I'm I'm ex I'm, ex I'm ex yeah. I, I can hear. I'm just yeah, dealing with <laughs> I'm dealing with the delay. That's okay. Um, I'm excited that you were able to make it with us and be able to read. Um, and I'm glad that you were able to make your. You know, I know that you said you had a delay with the babysitter and everything and had the reservations. So, um. Do you have any other poems that you would like to read? Um, are we just waiting for, because I could probably, are we waiting for your, do you have any more poems uh, that you would like to read? Yeah, I've got one more piece, uh, let's see here. Innocence is dead, shot through the head, by the evils of technology. I know when I die, no one will cry. They'll ask what they get instead. Knowledge is power, it grows by the hour, and with it, society dies. You say that you're strong, but that won't last long when you see the pain in my eyes. So close your eyes, because there's no surprise in the security of sleep. For into that world, the truth unfurled cannot ever reach. Life is pain, a disturbing game, in which no one wins. So night and day, now we pray for the end to begin. This world keeps changing, my mind keeps raging, everything's a blur. How much pain will it take to get back to where we were? That poem sounds like it has a lot of history behind it. Uh, would you kind of care to share what inspired it? Joe? Hello? I actually wrote that one shortly after 9-11. And it's not specifically about 9-11, but it does have a lot to do with where the world was at the time. I mean, when I was a kid, they called us Generation Y 
because we like didn't have a purpose or a big battle. It everything just changed so fast. Generation Y didn't have a purpose. I don't know. I think every generation has a purpose. Um, I really like to kind of toss those labels aside because you got the X, Y, Z and, and the so on and so forth and the baby boomers and, you know, you get to all these labels and, you know, some think some are better than others and some don't have a purpose, some have a purpose, some have a backstory, some don't. But in the grand scheme of things, we are all here for, you know, we're all here in the same boat. Um, and we're all here experiencing like right now we're experiencing the effects of you know generations past uh what the world that we have been left with and the world that you know um our our children and future generations have to deal with so we have a lot to we have a lot of responsibility a lot of things to look after a lot of you know pressures when it comes to our world and our mother earth and various different things so um, I personally like to trash those kind of labels. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what generation I would fit in. I kind of like in that transitional one, you know, like in the one that doesn't even kind of exist. <laughs> now you're opening your books. <laughs> so, so did you have something you wanted or to put on? Yeah, I think my wife's going to pass tonight. Okay, so I will just plop up the screen. This is Happy Birthday, Ashley, and I will sing Happy Birthday for Ashley. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Ashley. Happy birthday to you. And thank you very much. Um, I'm sorry, I have like, eh. if my daughter was here, she would probably tell me not to sing. But um, I hope you have a happy birthday. And I hope the rest of your evening is wonderful. And you're gifted with every blessing um, possible. Um Thank you very much for tuning in, and thank you, Jao, for showing up and reading us those those pieces. They that's pointed at before. Oh, it is. <laughs> thank you. Okay, so now we will say goodbye. <laughs> um, Joe, I think there you were. We all said. Or, or say, I said I loved everybody showing up and was really grateful for it. Joe, you talked about all the wonderful different, you know, varieties from all walks of life. And I think Alicia didn't get to step in and say something. She got cut off. Alicia? Um, yeah. I, yeah, I'm just thankful for everybody that showed up and read their stuff. There's a lot of different styles and um all very powerful pieces and talented people and then uh this was really 
fun to hear everybody's work like this. And yeah, just thankful. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. I know that was a kind of an awkward ending, but it was it was a surprise ending. I just love those surprises. You know, when you get, you just kind of get that curveball in there, and it's like the greatest curveball ever. Um, and I hope I didn't butcher everybody's ears with my singing. Um, <laughs> uh, but I really, I I don't know. I was I'm really glad that I got to sing Happy Birthday. And I'm well, glad you know, that you know, Mary, because yes? you butchered because you butchered their ears with your singing, they didn't hear your apology just now. <laughs> 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 well, <laughs> well, I'm teasing. It was beautiful. Marilyn Monroe could have eaten her heart out. <laughs> thank you, Joe. And thank you for everybody for tuning in with us. And we'll, until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.